This is the Less Doing Podcast with your host, Ari Mysel. Learn how to optimize, automate, and outsource and be more effective at everything. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Ari Mizell, and this is The Art of Less Doing. First thing I want to talk about is a great application web app called SoundGecko. Uh, there's a Chrome plugin. You can email things into it. There's also uh, mobile applications. But basically what happens is you send in an article, and it will convert it into the spoken word. So, for instance, if you have a long news article from New York Times or a blog post that looks interesting, you just either clip it with the Chrome plugin or you forward it to go at soundgecko.com and then you can get a whole list of your articles that you want to quote-unquote read while you're on the go using the uh, iPhone or Android apps. Now, there are lots of times when I come across articles and I just don't have the time to read them, but I really would like to be aware of them. Having them read to you by SoundGecko makes it so that you can listen to articles while you're working out or while you're walking from place to place or doing other things like that so that you can still absorb that information uh, in a really cool way. And the spoken word comes out actually pretty smooth. It's not as a robotic voice as you might expect. It's very natural sounding and, and very, very easy to understand. So I r- highly recommend checking out SoundGecko. And then the second thing is karma. Now, I don't mean as far as yoga karma. I mean the karma Wi-Fi hotspot. I had an interview today with Robert Gall of Your Karma, and unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties with the recording, so I'm not able to include the actual interview, but I wanted to share the content with you anyway. So, basically, karma is a little white uh, hotspot that looks like a very, very thin square hockey puck, basically, and it gives you 4G data coverage pretty much anywhere uh, that you might expect to get normal cell phone coverage. And I use it to connect my uh, MacBook Air to internet when I'm at a coffee shop or if I'm on the train. It's a really great thing. If you want to save your uh, your phone data or you just don't have a data plan on your iPad or your uh, your computer. What's really cool about Karma and what's so groundbreaking is the social aspect of it. So first of all, you buy the device for $79, and that's the fixed fee of the device. And then data is $14 per gig. Not monthly, not $14 per month. There's no setup charge. It is $14 for a gig of data. And you can use that uh, you know, in one month, one day, one year. It doesn't matter. It's $14 for a gig. Where it gets really interesting is that the Wi-Fi hotspot is open, so anybody can sign on to it. And when somebody signs on to your hotspot, they get a free 100 megs of data, and you also get 100 megs of data for free. So technically speaking, you could go on like this forever and never have to pay for data again, depending on how social you are. Uh, the person just uses their Facebook login to sign on, so you can see who has signed on. You immediately get your 100 megs. Uh, their picture from Facebook will pop up. So when I got it, I thought it would just be great for me to use, and I didn't see myself sitting at a coffee shop and saying, hey, do you want to use my Wi-Fi? Hey, do you want to use my Wi-Fi? 
But what I found that was so surprising is that every single time I went to work at this local coffee shop, within about 15 or 20 minutes, I'd get an email saying, congratulations, you just got 100 megabytes because somebody signed on to your karma. And I'd look around and not know who it was. And then I'd sign into my karma dashboard and I'd see a Facebook picture of the person who had signed in. And then I'd see across the room that there was the person. And it's just very funny. Uh, it's, it could strike up conversations that way or not. But people see an open Wi-Fi hotspot and they try it, which is really, really, really nice. And it's, it's sort of a uh, collective consumption aspect of data as it should be. What's cool is that you can use your karma account on anybody's karma hotspot. So if somebody signs on to your hotspot, they get their 100 megs of data free, and they've used about 50 megs, and then you happen to leave. So it cuts them off. If they go to sign on again to another karma, they will continue to get that 50 megs free. And then beyond that, they can decide to pay for it or sign on. Also, if you have karmas among your team, for instance, I can use my karma login to then use their hotspot if I'm somewhere and I don't have mine. So it it's really a socialization of data and a really interesting incentive for sharing it and getting it out there. So again, it's unfortunate that I wasn't able to include the actual interview with Robert, but he was very gracious and offered a 15% discount code for any of my listeners, and that code is going to be in the post associated with this podcast. So next up, we do have an interview with Jonathan Baylor from simpleisslim.org. And I'll let him tell you best what that is. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking with Jonathan Baylor, the founder of SlimIsSimple.org. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, how's it going, Ari? Good. Thank you for your time today. Uh, can you start off by just telling everybody what SlimIsSimple.org is? Yeah, SlimIsSimple.org is a new nonprofit initiative we started up to provide modern nutritional and exercise curriculum to everyone and especially the educational institutions. And I know that may sound a little bit odd, but if you think about it, we are all still taught the same nutrition information and the same exercise information we were taught decades ago. And we don't perform the same, we don't perform heart surgery the same way we did decades ago, and we don't use the same computers we used decades ago, but we still get taught to eat the same things, which have actually led to one of the worst obesity, diabetes, and heart disease crises this world's ever seen. So that sounds great, and, you know, there's probably lots of people that make that claim, but how are you doing it differently? Well, first of all, we're a not-for-profit, so, so we're not selling anything. Our What we <laughs> do and what the our first product was a full-length animated educational video. Think about it a little bit like Schoolhouse Rocks, right? We all saw that in our youth and it helped to teach us about, you know, conjunctions and conjunction junction, what's your function? So our ours are similar to that in the sense that there's just a free, visually attractive, high production value educational videos that we hope both children and adults can benefit from. And the number one question I get is where's the call to action? I watched the video, where's the call to action? And there really is no call to action other than just be healthy. And I think that's a big difference you'll see with our effort is there is no go buy this or go do this. It's just here's information that can help you to be healthier. So uh, what is your kind of background on this? What led you on this path to, to creating this? I've always been interested in health and fitness. I've, I was actually in my earlier days, I was a trainer, and this is really what got me interested in the underlying science of weight regulation because 
at that time, I was trying to gain weight. I was trying to become bigger. And though most of my clients were trying to become smaller, and I was trying to eat many, many calories, and I was telling them to eat very, very few calories and to exercise obsessively, and neither one of us were achieving our goals. But I was a trainer, and I had, I was supposedly an expert. I had gone down the traditional path and learned via the traditional methods how to do this, and it wasn't working, and I wasn't the only person who was facing this. So I then spent, to make a long story short, the next 10 years reading over 1,100 scholastic journal articles and studies and speaking with researchers over the phone because very few people read academic journal articles. So if you do it and you contact the researcher and say, your work is brilliant, will you answer some questions? They're usually happy to talk about it. So so then sure. uh, the the goal of this this effort is to take that very, for lack of better terms, boring and complex biological and metabolic science and turn it into practical steps and a lifestyle that we can all apply to live better because right that is the challenge is we are taught the same things about nutrition that we were taught decades ago and it's not as if nutrition has just paused <laughs> there's a bunch of research and progress being made there but we're not told about it so our mission is to tell people in a fun and compelling and actionable way how they can live modern nutritional science rather than archaic nutritional theory so what what are some of the salient points that you have sort of come up with from all of that reading and research? Well, a lot of it, the good news is that there's, well, there's nothing new under the sun, right? So a lot of it is just getting back to basics. And a lot of really brilliant people have been saying this for some time. We're just hoping to stoke the fire. And a lot of it has to do with just eating food. And when I say food, I mean eating things found directly in nature, so, for example, there's no such thing as a bread bush, right? Wheat, wheat found in nature is not something we eat. We don't eat wheat off the stalk. However, we're told that healthy whole grains should make up the vast majority of our diet. And if you look at the current American diet, it's something like over 40% of our calories are coming from low-fat, sugar-soaked products and, and wheat and grain-based products. And at the same time, as we've shifted our diet more towards these processed fat and processed starch and processed sweetener food products, our bodies are just breaking. Our rates of diabetes have risen over 100,000% in the past 100 years. The rates of obesity are nearly 20 times higher than they were just a century ago. And this is all due in large part to the shift from us eating Food, and again, food is defined as something found directly in nature to eating manufactured food-like products. So when it comes to practical tips, things like if it doesn't need to be refrigerated or frozen, chances are it's not going to be very helpful for your health. Uh, stick to the perimeter of your grocery store and, and you know, just stick to things that, that have short ingredients lists, things that your grandmother would recognize versus these synthetic engineered products that were being sold nowadays. Sure. So that obviously makes a lot of sense, and that's definitely something that I report with my uh, my readers and listeners. Uh, what about fitness stuff? What are your recommendations as far as fitness? Well, what the modern research of fitness shows, and it's similar to actually what we just mentioned with food, with quality, 
rather than quantity, right? Just going back to food for one second, then I'll get to fitness. What we're told is all quantity-based, right? Just eat less. So just take less of your current diet, which may or may not have made you diabetic or may or may not have led you to a body composition you're happy with, and just eat less of it. And that is not an effective approach. Taking an already metabolically damaging diet and just eating less of it is a bit like smoking less to avoid lung cancer. Like it may slow the process, but it's not actually solving the problem. But that's all we hear about is quantity. So the same thing applies to exercise. All we ever hear is quantity. So just do more. Just go jog more. Just exercise more. Well, the only way that we can exercise more is by doing low-quality exercise, right? Because by definition, for example, you can't sprint as long as you can walk. So if I told you, Ari, you need to exercise for 20 hours a week, by definition, you would do very low-intensity exercise because that's the only way you can exercise for 20 hours a week. But what exercise science, modern exercise science shows is that to really accrue the metabolic benefits and the hormonal benefits that can come from exercise, increasing the quality or intensity while also increasing the safety of our exercise is very important. So rather than saying exercise more, what we should be being told if we were being taught modern exercise physiology is exercise with more resistance more safely. So instead of just pounding it on the pavement longer and longer and longer and breaking down your joints, maybe try some slow and controlled resistance training. And this is not to say that being active is bad. We should all be active. I consider that baseline. I don't even consider that exercise. Like we should absolutely walk everywhere and the more active you can be, the better. But if it comes to choosing between just going on the treadmill for two hours or doing some safe uh, yet heavy resistance training, the science is very, very clear that the safe and heavy resistance training will accrue us more metabolic benefit. Yeah, see, it's, it's interesting for me because so I, I have a 13-month-old son, and I work from home, and my wife is at home. And uh, I haven't, for a number of reasons, one of which is partly an experiment, but I haven't been to the gym in almost two months now, which was interesting for me psychologically but I have found that being active with my son and my wife at home, I, I haven't gained any weight. I don't look any different. I don't feel any different, uh, except maybe the therapeutic aspects of going to the gym, but uh, or the, the mentally therapeutic aspects. But uh, it's been fascinating kind of experimenting with a, quote-unquote, just an active lifestyle. Well, Ari, you make a great point, too, because we, we tend to think, the reason we believe that just doing more exercise, like regardless of what it is, just go do more exercise, which is in and of itself questionable. That's like just just take any pill, just take a pill. Like, no, it, what you're doing matters immensely. We tend to think that that causes us to burn calories, and if we burn calories, we lose weight, and everything is good. And I, we don't have time to get into all the biology showing that that is not the complete picture. But what the studies show very clearly is that when we do more of this traditional exercise, the number one thing it does is make us hungry. So if we're eating a nutritionally inadequate diet and we go for a jog, we may burn 170 calories, but then we come home and we're freaking famished, so we eat 500 more calories of a metabolically damaging diet. So not only are we 
at a, at a state of caloric surplus, but we've taken in all those chemicals and we've taken in all those hormonally damaging substances as well. So in some ways, if we don't exercise smarter, the wrong kind of exercise can be counterproductive to our health. Right, absolutely. So I mean, the word balance is the word, basically, and uh, you know, being more effective rather than just doing more. Less, less is more, as I like to say. That's a, when it comes to exercise, Ari. You're spot on because the only way to exercise to really cause the hormonal and metabolic change that we're after is to use a level of resistance and safety that is self-limiting. You can't do a lot of a very intense, effective exercise. Just like if you were prescribed a very potent form of medication, you can't take a lot of it. It's, it's self-limiting. So as we dial up our effectiveness, we can dial, we have to dial down the quantity. You're exactly right. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very apt uh, analogy, actually. Uh, so now I, I personally find wellness to be a health and wellness to be a cornerstone of productivity because, as I like to say to people, you know, I can make you as technologically efficient uh, as you want to be, but if you're not sleeping right or you're not eating right, you're not going to get to that 100% level or even exceed that 100% level of what your potential possibly could be. So as somebody who is putting out there a way of, in my opinion, being more productive, what are your personal top three productivity tips that kind of keep you uh, on the up and up? I would say the number one tip is to is a proper diet. And I know that's not really a tip, but let me give you a little bit more detail. What I mean by a proper diet is we tend to, we, we need to eat nutritious foods. And nutritious foods are non-starchy vegetables. So vegetables that you can eat raw is generally a great way to identify whether or not it's a non-starchy vegetable, to eat nutrient-dense sources of protein. So really any kind of seafood and grass-fed meats, ideally, and to enjoy whole food fats, so things like nuts and seeds, as well as low-fructose fruits like berries and citrus. These foods are unequivocally the most nutrient-dense, and providing your body with the most nutrients possible will enable you, you to be productive in a way you've never even imagined, just like putting premium gasoline in a car will make it run better. So, well, so that, is that one or is that... No, that's one, that's one. Okay, so number one. Number two is I would say exercise more intelligently. When I say exercise more intelligently, I mean use more resistance safely. So instead of feeling like you have to spend 20 hours a week doing cardio, which is what a lot of us believe, experiment and educate yourself on how to resistance train safely and intensely because not only will you achieve more benefits, but you will dramatically reduce the amount of time you have to exercise and that, of course, can allow you to be more productive. And then uh, tip number three, I would say, is always look for ways to do to focus on quality. So not only with, with food, eating higher quality foods, and with exercise, doing higher quality exercise, but also just in your general interactions, I find that doing less but with higher quality often yields better results. And that's true for exercise. And for food, it's a little bit of a paradox because we want to eat more but higher quality food. But for everything else, it fits. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, those are great. I always love uh, ask 
asking that question because people from <clears throat> excuse me different walks of life always have very different approaches to how they they are more productive. So those are really great. So I mean, Jonathan, I really really appreciate you taking the time to to tell us about what I think are probably some groundbreaking changes in the way people live and eat and uh, move. Uh, so where can they go to find out more? Well, if you just want to check out slimissimple.org, we have a very minimalistic website. It's really just our first animated nonprofit education piece, and there's an about page that has a little bit more supporting information and some behind-the-scenes footage. Or you can just go on YouTube and type as slimissimple.org and check out our video, and hopefully it can help you live a better life. And there's some other resources, some other websites that uh, just provide other great information that we link to as well, and just helping people to get educated. So slimissimple.org. Great. Well, Jonathan, thanks again for your time, and I really appreciate you telling us all about this. Hey, thank you for having me, Ari.